If we move on in John chapter 6, we see certain people now following Jesus after the, um, after the wonderful, uh, miraculous uh, uh, account where uh, he gave them the, the five barley loaves and two fishes and he fed them. And the people were coming after him now. And what did he say in John 6? He says, you're, you're coming after me because you want the physical food. He says, but I'm giving you more than the physical food. So remember, he's speaking to the Jews here again. And let's see if he's going to tell them plainly and openly who he is. In John chapter 6, verse 47, what does he say? Verily, verily, truly, truly, amen, amen, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and they're dead. You keep going back and the Jews kept bringing up uh, the working of the Father, providing bread in the wilderness. And he said, they're gone. That wasn't eternal life. He's saying, I have eternal life. And if you partake of me, you will have eternal life. And the people didn't get it. They didn't understand. They were lost. And they're blinded. Something is covering them. That heart of unbelief. John chapter 7. What else did Jesus say to the Jews? He spoke to them. And, 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 and this, is, this is beautiful because in John chapter 7, we see now other feast, feasts that are coming in. In verse 36, uh, 37, sorry, we see the Feast of Tabernacles that is happening. And if one took time and studied the seven holy feasts of Israel and, and saw how Jesus fulfilled all of them, it is beautiful. But here we see the Feast of Tabernacles. And one thing to know with the Feast of Tabernacles, the high priest would take a pitcher filled with water and he would pour it as a ceremonial service to, to remind the people that the, um, the water, we are cleansed by the water, uh, the word of God, the, in, in their eyes, the Torah. And so what did Jesus do? He comes in in verse 30, um, in verse 37, in the last day, the great day of the feast, after they just partook of this ceremonial rite and this, uh, this ritual, Jesus stood and cried, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. Not to this water, this ceremonial sacrifice that's taking place. You come to me and drink. He said, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said in Ezekiel and Isaiah, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The word of God is going to be flowing from within us if we are believing in him. Because we've partaken of the living water, so now it's coming from within us. And they didn't get it. They were lost. Jesus, is he speaking plainly? Is he speaking openly to them? In John chapter 8, when we see the working of the adulterous woman, and we see what happened, and they brought him uh, to Jesus... And, and he let her go and said, neither do I condemn thee, sin no more, because there wasn't two witnesses, as per Deuteronomy chapter 17. He then speaks unto them, and again, the Feast of Tabernacles, they had another ceremonial rite where they would light the candelabras of the, uh, uh, of the temple, and it would be a great light show at nighttime. They'd be able to see for miles and miles Jerusalem filled with lights. It was a city of lights. And here came Jesus the next morning, and what did he say? In verse 12 of chapter 8, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. The temple's not the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He that followeth in me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And we know he is that light, according to John 1. So we see here in John chapter 10, 
The Jews came up to me and says, would you just tell us if you're the Christ? It was clear. And it's clear to you and to me, brothers and sisters, those who are unregenerated. Maybe you're seeking the Lord. Oh Lord, Jesus, show us if you are the way, the truth, and the life. In John chapter 14, verse 6, He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the living water. He is bearing witness of the Father. He is the Lamb of God who took away and takes away the sins of the world. This is who Jesus is. But they believed Him not. So we see the testimony, this great deliverance. If we go back to Hanukkah, we can see the deliverance from God. For those who are faithful, our deliverance is in Jesus Christ. He's the one, the Lamb, who takes away the sin of the world. His name in Hebrew is salvation. Yeshua or Yehoshua. So here we have Jesus telling them plainly, bearing witness of them. So I would like also to break this down into two more sections. We know the testimony of Jesus. We've just heard, even in the, in the first ten chapters of John, who Jesus is. And how He went to the people to tell them, it's not the law, I have fulfilled the law. But what about the relationship now between the sheep to the shepherd? So He's now explaining, how do we hear Jesus? How do we know Him? How do we follow Him? And if we are His sheep, what's the precious promise to us? What does that look like? So if we continue in John chapter 10, when Jesus told them the works that I do, and he says, but in in verse 26, but you believe me not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. And so he's bringing up sheep because at the beginning of John 10, he speaks of this sheepfold, right? And one could go and argue and say, well, the sheep specifically are the lost tribes of Israel. We know if we read in Isaiah and Ezekiel, We see the working specifically of Israel being the lost sheep. But we have the New Testament for us. And we can also understand, even if we just looked at John chapter 10, what did Jesus say about the sheepfold? He said in verse 16 of chapter 10, he speaks of two sheepfolds. He speaks of the first who know his voice and he calls them. But he speaks in verse 16 of another sheepfold. And he says, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, of the Jewish people, of the house of Israel. He's saying they are more. This goes out to all people, to all men. In John chapter 12, Jesus said that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Not just the house of Israel. We can see in Romans chapter 10, I believe, we can see this working of the one tree. That olive tree where the, the, the branch is grafted in to the original natural tree. We can see this sheepfold that is totality two becoming one. And he says, other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, that they shall hear my voice, and that there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Hebrews 13 also reminds us, Of the great shepherd, the one shepherd. There's not multiple shepherds and multiple sheepfolds. There's one shepherd and there is one sheepfold. If we look in Revelation chapter 4 and we see the throne of God and the working and we, 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 we see the beauty of what this throne, the eternal throne is showing us. 
In Revelation chapter 7, John, he even, he turned around and, and he heard, specifically heard, 144,000 proclaiming something. But when he turned, what did he see? He saw one great multitude who was praising the name of the Lord and saying, Salvation unto our God and unto the Lamb. This is that one sheepfold. This is that one multitude of which we are a part of. And we are his sheep. We heard even last night singing, I believe they shared, the prophecy being fulfilled even in Isaiah about the sheep going astray. And we know by his stripes we are healed. So he's speaking about the sheep, and there's three things I want us to consider about the sheep this morning, about you and about me. Number one, the scripture says in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice. To hear. To attend. To consider what is being said. To perceive something. When we go back and we see the parables of Jesus, what did he say? In Mark chapter 4, this is a great example of this. In verse 3, he says in Mark chapter 4, and this is speaking of the the, the, the soils and, and the sower and the seed. And Jesus said, hearken, listen to me. Behold, there went out a sower, and he explained himself. And now he's talking about how to understand parables to the disciples. And he's saying that seeing they might not see and, per, uh, and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. They were hearing, but they weren't hearing. They weren't understanding. How are we hearing the word of God? How are we hearing the work of Jesus? What are we filling our time with? Romans chapter 10 says very, very clearly for us. If we're not hearing the word, how do we expect our faith to grow? Think about those days, and we all have them. We're not hearing the word. Hearing coming by the preaching of the word. When I'm not listening to Jesus himself, when I'm not reading and perceiving or attending to his commandments, how on earth can I expect my faith to grow? That's impossible. I must hear the words of Jesus. I have to. And so what do we consume our times with, our time? How much time do we spend hearing? Just as the disciples, they were listening, they were trying to pay attention. We know... uh, The Jews struggled with this. They were trying to hear and they completely didn't get it. In 1 John, if we go to the epistles of John, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, John even said himself, Who we have heard from the beginning, we are called to listen as sheep. And are we listening to the shepherd? How is he guiding us? Maybe... Maybe it has to do with great difficulties. How are we hearing him? Do we turn to the Lord when we're struggling with temptation, even as Brother Dan prayed earlier? Do we turn to the Lord when we see a brother or sister struggling with sin? Do we turn to the Lord when we're dealing with any sort of matter within the church? As 1 Corinthians 6 reminds us, not to go to the outside, but to deal with it from the in. The body of Christ is to function as the body of Christ. And we're to hear the word of God. How do we do that? So number one, we see that to be his sheep, to be the sheep of the shepherd, we need to hear his voice. Number two, 
to know Him, to know, to learn, to understand, to digest. In fact, this is a very important word even for Hebrews found in, um, or the children of Israel in, in the Hebrew language found in the Old Testament. There's a deep knowing. When someone knew someone in the Old Testament, and I won't get into detail, but there was a great intimate understanding and a knowledge of. Something that nobody else could experience with those two people. But only those two people could experience that. What does it mean to know? What does it mean to know Jesus and to understand Him? The disciples knew with them. They walked with Him. They talked with Him. They had an intimate relationship with Him. And when I go back to that marriage, um, I guess, allegory or, or, or that symbolism, when we see, even in Ephesians 6, and we see what Paul was saying, that this institution that God uh, brought forth to the people in Genesis chapter 2 is the great mystery of Christ in the church, and there's, there's an understanding of what the husband's role is, the wife's role is under, under the marriage covenant relationship. And we can see that working of what the husband is to do for the wife. And to be as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. But yet the church is to be submissive to Christ. To be obedient to him. To listen and hear what he says. But now understand. To digest. To break down. And to live it out. And we know what happened. There's, there's many. Jesus said himself. If we go to Matthew chapter 7 and we see what he says about many of those who are going to say, Lord, Lord, right? They're going to say, oh, we've done all these things in your name. And he's going to say, and then in verse 23, I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, work, workers of iniquity. Do we know Christ? Do we know intimately our shepherd? When we have common union one with another and fellowship with the Father, how deep is that fellowship? What does it mean to know him? Apostle Paul speaks about that in his letters, that I might know the power of his resurrection, that I might know the love of Christ that's found even in Ephesians chapter 3. Do we know that love that he has given us? How deep that agape love is? Do we know what that is? And what's very interesting, if we look even earlier, it's not only that he knows us, but this is relational. We as sheep need to know him. And earlier, Jesus spoke that in John 10. And he said in verse 4, When he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Does Jesus know us? Absolutely. Are we called to know him? 100%. So we can see the working of what he's sharing about this relationship that we're called to have with him. He bared witness of the truth. He was deliverance. He is deliverance. And now he calls us being delivered. We are his sheep. We're called to hear him. We're called to know him. And thirdly, in verse 27, we are called to follow him. To follow. To join with. To join with one. Uh, to, to come along one side of one who was proceeding. To be the same way. The scripture uses this follow as being a disciple of. Being a disciple of the shepherd. When we go and, and we read through the scriptures even about the disciples, right? And what Jesus said to them, even in Matthew chapter 4, 
Verse 18, he went along the Sea of Galilee and he saw Simon, Peter, and then Andrew. And what did he say to them? Follow me. Come alongside me. I will be your teacher. I will be your guide. And you will follow me. You will come alongside and you will grow in me. And what did they do? They left their nets and they followed him. And he called the others, uh, James and John. And immediately they left their ship and they followed him. Are we immediately leaving our, 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 our uh, whatever situation we are in when we are struggling? And do we seek after and follow Jesus? In times of peril, in times of trouble, you know, when we go back and we look at the Anabaptist uh, uh, history even, even go um, not even anywhere uh, earlier than the 1500s, let's just look at the 1500s for instance, we see this radical reformation, the working of the Anabaptists, they would go and worship in caves, in caverns, they were burned at the stake, they were drowned in the river in, in Zurich, Switzerland, and in all other places because they were not part of the state church. They had opposition against them with Zwingli and his followers. And they were struggling. But what did they do? They heard the word of Christ. They, they knew him. And they followed him unto death. Regardless of what happened, they followed him. And if we go to Mark chapter 10, this gives us an amazing example for us, brothers and sisters, of being the sheep and him the shepherd. How we are called to follow him. Just like the rich young man, he asked in Mark chapter 10. And he says, what am I going to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus spoke unto him, You're to, why callest thou me good? And he shared with him the commandments. He said, I do all these things. And then he said, one thing thou lackest, go, sell, give to the poor, take up your cross, and follow me. And follow me. And he struggled with this because he had great possessions. How are we following Christ in every way, shape, or form of our lives? How do we hear His voice? How do we know Him? And how are we following after Him? That precious promise, lastly. That precious promise that Jesus even shared in verse 28 in John 10. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my Father's hands. Romans chapter 8 reminds us that nothing can separate us from his love. If. And what is that if? There's a colon that was after verse 27. And he's explaining that if we hear his voice, if we know him, if we follow after him, we will have eternal life. Eternal life. Life that never ends. Jesus said in John chapter 11 with Lazarus, uh, Lazarus, rising Lazarus from the grave, he said, I am the resurrection and I am life. In John 3, when, when Nicodemus came to him by night and he's wondering, how do we have eternal life? We need to be born of the Spirit and we need to live and walk in the Spirit. Eternal life is mentioned 30 times in the New Testament. And Jesus spoke about that even to this rich young ruler in Mark 10. What do I do to inherit eternal life? Give up of what you have. Worship me and follow me and you will have eternal life. How beautiful this is for us. 1 John chapter 5, to close with this. In 1 John 5, John says, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life. 
And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Let me try to rephrase that. If we don't believe in Jesus Christ for the saving of our soul, we don't have eternal life. It's pretty straightforward and pretty plain and simple. We don't have eternal life. If we believe in Him, if we believe that this life is in His Son, and if we hear Him, the Great Shepherd, if we know Him, and if we follow Him, we have eternal life. He's the resurrection, and He's the life. So Hanukkah, this great dedication that the Jews celebrate, for this, the rededication of the second temple, we see that because of their dedication and their faithfulness, they were delivered. And God made a way. Judah came in, the high priest was brought back in, the menorah was lit, and the temple continued. The working in the temple continued. The adherence to the law and the Torah continued. And yet, they didn't get it. They didn't understand of this prophecy that was fulfilled by none other than Jesus Christ. As we go about our next several weeks, however that's going to look, and we consider the work of Christ, we consider Him being born and brought into this world, the plan of salvation was foreordained by the Father and was given to us for deliverance, for victory, And we, brother and sister, have the the temple of God living within us. But are we hearing Him? Are we truly hearing Jesus through every single time that we're experiencing, including right now? Are we hearing Jesus? Are we knowing Him? Do we have a desire to know His Word? And are we following Him? Do we follow Him till death? Just like whether you want to call it forefathers of old or those from the faith from long time past that have experienced much more than we're experiencing right now. Do we hear? Do we know? And do we follow? For he is our deliverance and that eternal life and hope resides only in Jesus Christ. Without him, we have nothing. Amen.